calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome. This is the Warning Woods Halloween Special 2022, The Exorcism of Ridgeville. This is part two of a five-part miniseries. Be sure to listen to each part of the story in the order they are released. This story will reach its terrifying conclusion at midnight on October 31st, Halloween. Without further ado, Here is The Exorcism of Ridgeville, Part 2. After going over the house with the police, we determined nothing had been taken. There were no signs of forced entry. Someone had come in, somehow, torn apart my office, and then just left. The officer I had asked about Sam was there, He asked me if maybe I thought there was any link between the break-in and the homeless man. I told him I couldn't imagine there would be, but asked him to question Sam about it the next time he saw him. Once I got my office back in shape, it was as if the break-in never happened. I went about life as usual for the next few days. I made a habit of driving downtown every day to look for Sam, but never saw him. By the third day of his disappearance, someone had removed his belongings from the bank wall. The only evidence I had of the man's existence was the watch he gave me. I had started wearing it as a sort of good luck charm. It became a reminder to do good, and not just for my own motives. I started having problems during the next few days. The first nearly sent me to the hospital. I had poured myself a glass of water from the kitchen sink with the tap pushed all the way to the cold side. 
The water that poured from the glass into my mouth was almost boiling hot, though. I didn't notice the steam rising from the glass until after I'd nearly swallowed the scorching water. I played with the tap, trying to get cold water to come out, but all I could get was hot. I was able to get some cold water out of the bathroom sink, thankfully. My electricity became spotty as well. The house had frequent blackouts that lasted one or two seconds. There didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to them. They just happened randomly. An important note before we go forward. I like to sleep with a white noise machine. It produces a constant static-like sound throughout the night to block outside sounds out. One night, I woke up to use the bathroom. I don't remember anything different from any other night except that when I returned to my bedroom, the constant drone of white noise was sort of pulsating, fading in and out in an inconsistent rhythm. I was going to unplug it and run it on batteries, thinking it was probably just another electrical problem. But when I bent over to grab the plug, I heard something underneath the white noise. A voice. It was deep, but sounded thin through the cheap speaker. Its words sounded purposeful, but I couldn't understand any of them. I didn't even recognize whatever language it was speaking. I told myself the voice must have been coming from some broadcast that got picked up by the machine, like when someone gets a metal plate in their head and claims they can hear radio stations. But when I pulled the plug and silenced the white noise, the voice continued to come through. I took the white noise machine out of the living room and left it on the couch. It had gone silent as soon as it was out of the bedroom. I went back to sleep without it, but not before tossing and turning for some time. I dared to put the white noise machine back in the bedroom the following night. To my relief, no voices came through the speaker when I turned it on. However, I woke in the middle of the night again. This time, it wasn't bodily urges that took me out of sleep. Silence did. Total silence that somehow seemed louder than the absent white noise. Another power outage, I thought. I stumbled through the house in the dark, wishing I had thought to put a flashlight by my bed. There was enough ambient light in the house for me to make it to the basement, but I stared down into total blackness from the top of the stairs. If I hadn't been worried about the food in my freezer, I would have just left the electricity off until morning. Not knowing what else I could do, I stepped down into the darkness. I felt around for the electrical box on the wall, nicking my finger on its corner. I slid my hand towards the latch and bumped into something else. It felt soft and warm. I retracted my hand and stifled a yelp. Then I convinced myself I was just tired and delusional. When I reached back out, my hand landed right on top of another hand that was holding the electric box shut. I screamed and ran back up the stairs, slamming the door behind me. Then I ran to the bedroom and grabbed my phone to call 911. I paused when I noticed the charging icon at the top of my phone's screen. Then I noticed the white noise machine was working again. I flipped the light switch and, sure enough, the electricity was back on. I cautiously returned to the basement door, opened it, and flipped the basement light on too. There was no sign anyone else was or ever had been inside the house. Had I dreamt the whole thing, starting with the power going out? It didn't seem likely, but I told myself that's what had happened anyway. 
I performed a quick sweep of the house, found nothing worrisome, and returned to bed. At first, it seemed the odd occurrences were only happening at night, but I started to recognize a more intricate pattern emerging. When I took inventory of each time the power went out or I felt something strange in the house, I realized each event was linked by one thing. Me removing Sam's watch from my wrist. I had taken it off to wash dishes that time the water turned hot. I took it off every night before bed. I also had a habit of taking it off when I got hot because my wrist would swell and press against the band. I decided to do an experiment. When I finished a day's work on my book, I got up from my desk and removed the watch. I left it on my desk while I went about my usual routine. Almost immediately, something felt off. It almost seemed one side of the house had dropped about an inch. My steps felt uneven. I felt slightly off kilter, and all of this made me feel quite vulnerable. It was as if my body had fallen drunk while my mind maintained its faculties. The imaginary tilt of the house kept directing me back towards my office like my home was a giant bowl with the office at its center. At one point, I rested against the closed office door just to relax for a minute, but I heard something moving inside the room. It sounded like something hard scraping against wood, like something sliding across my desk. Maybe the watch. I turned the doorknob and nearly fell into the room. Sure enough, I caught the watch sliding on its own towards the edge of the desk. I ran forward and slammed my hand down on top of it. It was ice cold, and when I retracted my hand in shock, I heard a growl behind me. I spun around and saw the dark shape of someone crouching behind the open door. At first, I thought it was Sam hunched over and snarling at me. But as the creature stepped into the light, I saw it was a mangy, black dog. Its eyes were yellow, and its bared teeth were stained with blood. It watched me from the doorway, growling and slobbering. I felt like if I even breathed in a way the dog didn't like, it would rush in and disembowel me. I snatched the watch from the desk, ignoring its temperature, and shouted, Is this what you want? Go fetch! And I tossed the watch through the door. It bounced off the wall and landed somewhere down the hallway. The dog tore after it. I darted to the door and slammed it shut. Then I took a moment to catch my breath. As I rested, I listened. After a while of hearing no sounds outside the room, I poked my head into the hallway. The dog had vanished but the watch still lay on the floor where it had landed. I slowly crept down the hall, peering around every corner and listening intently, but I couldn't see or hear the dog anymore. Something unnatural was happening, of that I was sure, and I was also sure whatever it was revolved around Sam's watch. I rubbed my finger over that inscription once more, BLZBL. I still couldn't figure out what the letters might mean. I strapped the watch to my wrist to prevent any further incidents as I got into my car and headed down the street. I had passed an old church numerous times and decided it was time to stop in for a visit. I pulled into the dirt parking lot, bouncing as my front tires hit the parking block. I shut off my car, got out, and nervously approached the door. Maybe it was my elevated blood pressure, 
but I could have sworn the watch band tightened around my wrist as I entered the church. Hello? I think I need some help, I called out into the empty auditorium. It looked far more modern than the church's exterior, with heathered burgundy carpet, white walls, and cushioned black seats all in neat rows. I heard a door close somewhere, and soon after, the shuffling of feet. A short man in khakis and a green polo appeared in a doorway near the humble pulpit. What can I do for you? he asked. I need to speak with a priest or somebody. I'm no priest, but I am the pastor of this congregation. If you need something, I'm your guy, he replied cheerily. I introduced myself and gave him a quick summary of everything that had been happening. The pastor hadn't even noticed Sam's disappearance and offered a brief prayer for forgiveness for the oversight. When I finished, he asked to take a look at the watch. As I removed it from my wrist, he said, You know, we aren't really big believers in cursed objects or witchcraft around here, Patrick. We tend to stick to more... He trailed off as the watch fell away, revealing its underside. He snatched it out of my hand and stared at the etching with wide eyes. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's all about, I said. His eyes slowly raised to meet mine. Beelzebul, he said. I replied, yeah, B-L-Z, no, he said, cutting me off. Beelzebul, a demon once said to have led a revolt against Lucifer himself. I stayed quiet. I wanted to laugh off the pastor's dramatic reaction. Was he toying with me? I half expected some televangelist-style sales pitch to come next, but I also couldn't stop thinking about that dog. Something, demonic or not, was certainly attached to that watch. Could it be this Beelzebul? I wondered. I asked the pastor if I could leave the watch with him since he seemed to know more about it than I. I hoped he might be more qualified to look after it. He said, Yes, you'd best leave it here. I'll lock it up until someone with more expertise in this area can take a look. Are you a Christian? I hadn't been asked that question by anyone but the occasional door-to-door evangelist in quite some time. I was baptized in my teens, went to church on and off in early adulthood. I suppose I am. I've never really thought of myself as anything else, I answered. The pastor nodded quickly, as if my answer was exactly what he had expected to hear. Got any... Crucifixes, rosaries, that sort of thing at home, he asked. Well, I have this. I pulled on a silver chain that ran around my neck and under my shirt. A little cross emerged from my collar. I had worn this necklace since my baptism nearly 14 years ago. Putting it on had become as much a habit as wearing underwear. It was easy to forget it was even hanging on my neck most days. That should work. For now. It could be what's protected you so far. I thought you didn't believe in cursed objects. Are holy objects different? We, I, at least, believe both God and demons will always find a way to do their work. That means that while most of the times humans try using curses or summoning demons and whatnot, it doesn't work. But it can. Supernatural forces just don't operate upon our whims. However, if a supernatural being such as a demon were to decide a certain human's actions provided an opportunity, it very well could take advantage. I'm not saying one way or another whether this watch is cursed, per se, but if evil is at work here, I just have to trust God to counter it with his goodness. So keep that cross close. Uh, what's your name again? It's Patrick. Patrick Newell. Ah, yes, Patrick. I'll remember for the next time I see you, which I hope will be Sunday morning.
With that, I went back home. Back to my quiet, peaceful, normal home. I spent the remainder of the day without incident and slept through the night, undisturbed. My peace may have continued through the next morning, too, if I hadn't turned on the TV while making breakfast. The screen showed the ashen lot where the church had stood the day before. Charred remains of its pious structure were all that were left now. A reporter was in the middle of describing a harrowing overnight battle against the fire, the cause of which was still under investigation. As I watched, someone knocked on my door. I answered it, still dazed, and nearly didn't recognize the pastor as he stood, sweating, dirty, and bleary-eyed on my front porch. His crisp khakis and clean polo had been replaced by gray sweats and a plain black hoodie that smelled like smoke. Do you have it? He asked. Did the watch come back here? Come back here? I echoed. Why would it be back here? And how did you know where I live? It's gone, the pastor said, ignoring my second question. It was in a safe box when I left it before the fire, and now it's gone. Could it have burned up? Couldn't have. That box was designed to protect its contents against fire specifically. It was locked when I left, but open after the fire marshal brought it out to me. Well, good riddance, right? I said. The pastor's pale face didn't change. No. No, not good, he said. Now that watch and the evil attached to it are out there again, he gestured to the world around him. We aren't safe. No one is. Not until we find that watch and let the proper authorities destroy it. Who would that be? I asked. He paused, taking time to breathe. He looked like he wanted to answer but couldn't. Finally, he said, I don't know. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.